Megan and I have three children. We love all of them dearly. Uh, Montgomery is 12 years old, sixth grader. Clayton was the guy that got beat up, uh, fifth grader. And Wade is in kindergarten. He's six years old. And a couple months ago, I was asked if I would coach Wade's six-year-old flag football team. Um, and in a moment of weakness, I said yes and uh, wanted to spend time with my youngest son. And so we've had a couple practices now. And uh, it's very interesting, to say the least. I showed up with uh, some great plays of what we were going to do, and you're going to run this way, and you're going to run that way. And, and I tried to put them into positions, and I said, you know, you're going to play wide receiver. I want to be the quarterback. No, you're the wide receiver. You're going to play running back. Why does he get to be the running back? You're going to play on defense. I don't want to play on defense. Uh, you're going to be the other running back. Why do we need two running backs? what I've been dealing with for the last couple of, uh, of weeks. But what occurred to me is, and I love these boys, they're all great, they got a fun future together. But um, what occurred to me is, all right, we got to quit trying to run plays and we just got to go back to the fundamentals. Uh, they need to know how to throw. Took Wade out in the front yard, said, throw me the football. <laughs> they need to know how to pass. They need to know how to take a hand off. Some of them need to you know, be told how to run better. And so now, so we're back to the fundamentals. I don't know if we'll have any plays for the first game or ever, uh, for that matter. But I was thinking about it in light of this series that we started on the parables. Sometimes in the faith, we have to get back to the fundamentals. And I think when you study the parables of Jesus, that helps us get back to the fundamentals of the Christian life. What are we being called to do? What does that look like day in and day out? And so please pray for me as I coach that flag football team uh, in the coming weeks. I wanna start with a story. Some of you may have heard this years ago. I told it, a lot of you haven't. This happened in Memphis at the church that I served before coming to Nashville. Happened right before I moved to Nashville. Uh, a church member and a friend named Heather Fox. She walked into a Walgreens on a spring evening in Memphis and there was a young mother sitting outside holding a baby, a crying baby in a diaper bag. Heather walked in, went and got the things she needed. She came back out and the mother was still standing there and just moved with pity. She said, is there anything I can help you with? And the mom said, yes, I just need a ride down the street to the public library. And so Heather said, well, my car's right here. I'll be glad to take you and your child down to the library. So she led her into the car and they pulled out of the Walgreens. They started to drive down uh, Poplar Avenue, if you're familiar with Memphis. And right before they were going to get to the library, she looked in the rearview mirror, and that sweet young mom had pulled a pistol out of her diaper bag and told her to keep driving. So she did. She kept driving down towards Midtown Memphis, and she was obviously, her heart was pounding. She couldn't believe that she had tried to help this person, and now she was being robbed um, or carjacked. So she got down kind of close to where our church was and, and, and she realized I'm in big trouble here and the mother had turned very angry. Child was still crying, not in a car seat, of course. And so she got to a very busy intersection and she said, all right, I think I'm just gonna have to put this thing in park and, and try to jump out. That's all I can do. I don't, you know, she can have my car. I just wanna make it out alive. So she got to a busy intersection. She jumped out of the car. And when she opened the door to try to get out, the lady leaned up through the seats with the gun, shot her twice in the back of her shoulder. She was uh, taken down to the med. There was another 18 year old uh, woman who actually came to her on the scene, saved her life, bandaged her wounds, put pressure on them. She went to the med. She had multiple surgeries overnight. I got down there to see her the next morning and she was 
uh, still in the ER, and she um, had lost a lot of blood, had been through a lot, and it really broke my heart because I knew the story. She tried to help somebody. She tried to do what we are being told to do this morning in Luke's gospel. She tried to help somebody, and that's what happened to her. And I asked her, I said, well, would you do it again? And she looked up at me from the hospital bed. She said, without a doubt, I'd do it again. It was the right thing to do. Now, why do I tell you that story as we begin a message on the the Good Samaritan this morning? I tell you that story because any time we put ourselves out to help somebody, we can put ourselves in harm's way. We can put ourselves at risk. And to be really honest with you, it's gotten really challenging in our culture now to sort between the people that genuinely need our help and the people who might be putting up a front or who might be dangerous if we indeed stop to help them. It's gotten hard. That story has stuck with me. And anytime I read the, 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 the parable of the Good Samaritan, I think about Heather and I think about what she went through and and I'm so thankful that she lived and she survived. Luke tells us, a lawyer stands up to test Jesus. He says, teacher, what good must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what's written in the law? And the man says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says, You have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But the man's not satisfied. He's a lawyer. Remember, lawyers, you're not satisfied. You answer the question, the lawyers will ask you another question. So uh, he says to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus responds by giving him the parable of the Good Samaritan that we tried to reenact here this morning. Uh, My friend, our friend, uh, A.J. Levine, she is a Jewish New Testament scholar, which confuses a lot of people. Um, She she taught at Vandy for many years. She now has a faculty post up in, uh, I think, Connecticut or Vermont or somewhere, lives in Nashville. But she says this in her book about the lawyer. Uh, She says, how far off base is this lawyer? He's thinking in terms of a single action rather than a life of righteousness. He thinks of eternal life as a commodity to be inherited or acquired rather than a gift freely given. He's focused on his own salvation when he should be focused on loving God and neighbor, honoring parents, not stealing. And he's asking an obnoxious question to which he already knows the answer. But Jesus is not fooled. He's on to him. So he gives him this parable. The stretch of road that would go from Jerusalem to Jericho was was very steep, it dropped like 3,800 feet. So Jerusalem's up high, Jericho's down low, and people would travel this road and it was windy and it would go downhill. And and, and it was pretty well known that you don't travel this road by yourself because there are robbers and people that are up to no good waiting for you on this road. And sure enough, this man traveling alone, this is what happens to him. He's jumped by lawyers and Jesus says, there's three people that came by. The first one was the priest. The priest saw the man in need, he saw he was beaten and hurt, and he just quickly passes by on the other side of the road. The priest might be those who consider themselves religious, highly religious, but who do not understand what religion and faith is really all about. In that day, 
there were rules regarding purity. And if a priest were to touch a dead corpse, then, then he would not be able to go and offer the sacraments of that day. And so maybe the priest was afraid. I can't touch this guy. He might be dead. Then I can't do my priestly obligations. But guess what? There are people like this today. They see people who are in pain and hurting and suffering, but they don't want to get involved because it's messy. It, it, it might put them out. It might make them deal or see things that they don't want to see. It's messy. It's exhausting. And, and so that still happens today. The second guy coming along, the Levite, another religious person. And Jesus says that the Levite comes over. He sees the man. He checks things out. He, he even kind of walks over a little bit, looks at the guy, thinks about helping him, but, but he hesitates too. He investigates, he looks, but ultimately he too decides to pass on by the man who had been beaten by the robbers. Um, there were people back in that day who would, who would do this. They would plant decoys. They would put somebody by the road, looked like they had been beaten up and they were in need. And as soon as you came over to help them, other guys would come out of the bushes from the sides and they would jump you and then you would be in trouble. Maybe the Levite was scared of that. Maybe he thought, I, I don't want to end up like this guy. I'm going to get on, my, you know, get on down the road. You, know, you see, like, uh, in traffic today, the rubbernecking. You see somebody who's had a car accident, somebody, and everybody's just kind of staring, you know. But how many people roll the window down and say, are you okay? Can I get you anything? Oftentimes, by the time you get there, somebody has stopped to help or has stopped to call. But, but, but Luke uh, says, the Levi did the same thing. He just went on by, left the man hurting. Then we come to the Samaritan. And if you do some Bible study background on this text, the Samaritans and the Jews did not really get along. Um, kind of like uh, Alabama and Auburn fans, right? Tennessee and Vanderbilt fans. Way to, way, way to go, Vanderbilt, last night, by the way. Didn't even mention that. Um, they didn't like each other very much. They, they didn't interact very much. And so Jesus is telling this story in a way where the Samaritan is the hero. The person that probably had the, the, the greatest reason to leave the guy alone uh, and just move on down the road, what does he do? He stops, he kneels down, he helps the man, he bandages him up, he puts him on his animal or donkey, whatever it was, he takes him to an end, he gives the innkeeper money, he says, please take care of this man, and if you spend more than this on him, I will pay you back. So then Jesus asked the lawyer, which of these three was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus says, well, then go and do likewise. You know, I think this parable causes us to stop and ask, and I think answer some, some basic questions. The first question that it makes me ask, because it's in the passage, is who is our neighbor? When Jesus says, love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as ourself, well, we have to figure out who is our neighbor? Who is he talking about? And I would answer the question by saying our neighbor is anyone who is in need. Our neighbor is anyone who has been through a situation where they need our help, they need our care, they need some extra resources. That's who our neighbor is. But we now live in this age where we don't know our neighbors. We got friends all the way around the world. We talked to them online, got them on social media, but we can't walk across the street or down the street to meet our neighbors. COVID was actually good for this. It's one of the few things it was good for is we were home a lot and we would look over the fence and we would get to know our neighbors. 
And I think we need to do more of that because we know people across the country, we know people in other cities, we know people in, in, clear across the world, but we don't know our neighbor. And guess what? It's really hard to help your neighbor if you don't know your neighbor. What I hear Jesus saying in this parable is that our neighbor is anyone who is in need, anyone that we can help. Second question that I'm asking this morning, sometimes I think in life, and I think this man was probably wondering this while he was on the ground, beaten. I think we all find ourselves asking the question, does anybody care? Does anybody care about me? Does anybody care that I'm going through a divorce? Does anybody care that, that I just moved here and I don't have any friends? Does anybody care that, that I just lost my mother? Does anybody care that I battle depression and it really hurts? Does anybody care that I, I lost my job and I can't pay my bills? Does anybody care that my child has a, a major disability? Does anybody care that my husband has a bad drinking problem? Does, does anybody care that my daughter is anorexic and it's really hard on us? Does anybody care that we can't afford to live in Nashville anymore and so we're having to move? Does anybody care that my son is getting bullied and picked on at school? Does anybody care? And sometimes it feels like the answer to that question is no, nobody cares. But I'm here to tell you today that the answer to that question is actually yes. A lot of people care. You'll walk through the gathering hall in the church this morning and you'll see a lot of people who care. And they're trying to serve and give back to this community, to this church. It's because they care. Think of the healing ministries we try to offer here at Woodmont. It's because we care. I just think that sometimes we get so wrapped up in our own lives, so wrapped up in just taking care of all the things we have to take care of that we forget to not just check on each other, but actually invest in each other and be interested in each other. And so we forget that there are other people, people that we're really close to who are hurting and who need our help. And I'm here to tell you that the answer to the question, does anybody care, is yes, they care. And as Christians, we're called to care. We're commanded to care. Third question, if we do care, then what should we do? You know, this parable teaches us that, that real pity and real compassion should move us to action and not just to feel sorry for people. I mean, we can feel sorry for all kinds of people, right? But if we don't do anything about that feeling, then what difference does it make? Feeling sorry for somebody is a step, but then we should take the next step and go help them. Both the priest and the Levite in this parable felt sorry for the man. They probably were like, man, that's awful. He's been beat up. He's hurting. I'm late. But doing something is what we are called to, to do. Doing something, not just feeling sorry for people, but doing something. So for example, in our world today, we can feel sorry for kids who don't have a father, or we can go be a reading buddy or a lunch buddy at Fall Hamilton. We can feel sorry for people who don't know where their next meal is going to come from, or we can go volunteer at Second Harvest or the Nashville Food Project, or you can email Farrell and say, who's hurting in our church? I want to make them a meal. We can feel sorry for families who live in third world countries with little or nothing, or we can go and, uh, and, and do what our family did years ago, and we love it. We can adopt a child from Guatemala for $35 a month and pay for their education, pay for their, their schooling. Um, some of us spend that on wine, 
We can feel sorry for somebody who doesn't have a house or we can go and, and, and build a Habitat house or we can go to Morgan Scott Project and serve. Feeling sorry for somebody is always the first step, but then we have to make a decision to actually show real compassion by trying to help. Compassion calls us to action, uh, but supporting others, being there for others is the action that is required. And, and I'm, I'm here to tell you, one of the things we're gonna work really hard on as a church, uh, when we hired Jay, I told him, I said, we need this, is we want you to use your gifts to do some kind of ministry, to give back in some way. And it needs to be something that you're proud of, something that you feel good about, something that will help you grow in your faith when you do it. And that's what we're gonna be talking about a lot more at this church. There's that story of the boy um, who was walking on the beach and, and you know, sometimes we feel like, oh, there's so much need and so much hurt. This is how I feel as a minister sometimes. You know, where, where do I start? And the boy was throwing the starfish back one at a time. You know, there were thousands of them on the beach and somebody walked up and said, well, do you really think you're gonna save all these starfish? The boy grabbed it, he said, just save that one. Just save that one, one at a time. Lastly, this morning, this parable should cause us to ask the question, how would we want to be treated if we were the one in the ditch? How would we want to be treated if we were the one who had been jumped and beaten and left on the side of the road? Because guess what? If it hadn't happened to you in life yet, it's coming. Wouldn't we want others to stop and help us? Wouldn't we want others to show us mercy, to be there in our time of need? Will Willeman is a, a friend of mine. He's um, Professor Duke. Before that, he was a bishop, a Methodist bishop in Alabama. Um, I love Will. He's a smart guy. He's written a lot of books. Funny guy. But um, I first met him at Swanee. I had him for a class, a preaching class, and he was my professor. But he tells this story about when he was bishop in northern Alabama. He said there was a church in Birmingham that was started by homeless people for homeless people, which is actually pretty cool if you think about that, right? But they called him and they said, Bishop, we've got this grant from the government to help us, uh, you know, to help us get some of our members up on their feet on the road to employment. And we'd really like it if you, as the bishop, would come down and say a prayer over this initiative. Maybe say a few words. And Will said, all right, I'd be glad to do that. And so he goes down to this homeless church and, um, and he, he says, you know, Guys, I'm so glad to be here, and I want you to know that you all are lucky because you're in the hands of the United Methodist Church, and we care about people like you. We're going to help you discover what it means to get yourself ready, to build up a resume, to dress right, to say the right thing, so that a future employer will, will want to hire you. And we will teach you interview skills, and we'll teach you how to dress. We'll get you some clothes. We'll, we'll help you find a place to live so you can provide for your family. And about that time, as Will's going on and on and, and trying to give hope to this group, <laughs> this is a true story. This, this homeless guy in the back of the room blurted out, where in the hell does it say in the Bible that Jesus had a job? And Willowman like froze in his tracks and he said, well, um, um, I'm not accustomed to dealing with people who've actually read the gospels. It, it doesn't say that. <laughs> says his dad was a carpenter. The guy says, well, did you ever work with him? No, we're not sure about that. Did he have an apartment? Uh, well, there's biblical evidence. No, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head, right? 
And with that, the homeless man got up and he said, well, Bishop, seems to me that, that I might be more like Jesus than you are. And the guy left. <laughs> wow, so glad I came here today, right? Is what he's thinking. So Williman said, you know, he goes, I got back in my Lexus to drive back to my suburban home. And he said, God, why do we have to be saved by a homeless, unemployed, wandering Jewish beggar? He was moved that day. He was humbled. You know, there's, there's hurt and there's need all around us. You might be the one right now who's hurting. Feel like you're in the ditch. You need some help. Let us help. Jesus says, who was the neighbor? The man who stopped and showed mercy. So go and do likewise. Amen.